starting to get some dates for college football's return. For instance, the Big 12 has set June 15th for the time athletes can return to campus for workouts. What will this look like, and what are the concerns in the COVID-19 pandemic world? Three Big 12 beat writers, Jesse Newell and Kellis Robinette of the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle, and Drew Davison of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram tackle those questions and more on Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, May 28th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Jesse, Callis, and Drew also take a guess at what the college football season will look like when it's set to begin on Labor Day weekend, from scheduling to fans in the stands and even some alternative plans. So here we go with the Big 12 Beat Riders. Hey, it's great talking college sports with you guys, and today those guys are Kellis Robinette. Kellis, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Blair. Thanks for having me on again. Well, and we want to formally welcome Baker Robinette to to the uh, to the Robinette family, and tell us about uh, what was that? What was the birthday? Um, May twelfth, uh, May eleventh. Or, I can't get anything right. Yeah, one one of those. I don't know. I got four kids. Uh, <laughs> it's it's hard to keep track anymore. Um, but yeah, he was born in the the middle of the night, three thirty three a.m. He's been home for a little over two weeks. It's uh, it's been going good so far. We were worried his brothers might uh, might not like the addition of another one. But, uh, <laughs> but no, they they welcomed them. It's it's been good. Uh, we're still trying to get him to sleep at night a little better. So me and mom are a little tired. But other than that, it's good. It's good around I here. Bet. Hey, congratulations. And joining us today um, from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram is Drew Davidson. Drew, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Blair. Hope you can hear me. <laughs> we hear you well. Last time you and I talked was on NFL Draft Night when, when the Chiefs selected Lucas Niang, the, uh, the TCU offensive lineman, tackle for TCU. Looks like he's going to be a guard, uh, it's, at least to start out for the Chiefs. And uh, so that got me wondering, you know, the Chiefs took a Big 12 player. Do you know who the last Big 12 player the Chiefs selected in the draft? Uh, I got a feeling it might be the reigning Super Bowl MVP. It is. It is. You got to go all the way back to 2017. That's right. They hadn't drafted, drafted a Big 12 player since Patrick Mahomes uh, when they took Lucas Niang. And they've only drafted three in the history of the Andy Reid era in uh, with the Chiefs, which I found surprising as well. Um, the other one being Braden Wilson, the Kansas State fullback back in 2013. So, um, And we got Jesse Newell. Jesse, how you doing, man? Doing good, Blair. Uh, I um, I'm wondering about Kellis's basketball team, though. Who's playing point guard for you, Kellis? <laughs> uh, at this point, Baker, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so, so I, I I wanted to talk to you guys today and talk uh, about college football because while we've been dealing with a lot of unknowns over the last few weeks. There are some knowns are beginning to reveal themselves, like like starting dates. Uh, the Big Twelve had a. Um, we, we heard from Bob Bowlesby, who said that uh, football uh, teams will be allowed to begin working out on on June the fifteenth. That's a, a league wide rule. Schools can set their own uh, dates. But that is um, uh, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are both at, at June 15th. I think the SEC is a week earlier, and uh, and we have some, um, you know, just uh, we're starting to see some signs of life in college football across the country. But what is 
what I'm, I'm wondering what the particular schools are doing. And we have 30% of the big 12 schools represented here, the beat writers with Kansas, Kansas state and TCU. So Drew, let's start with you. What, what is TCU? Do you, any idea what the plans are to restart or to get football practice started? Yeah. TCU is ready to go right on June 15th. I mean, I think they're actually going to bring in a guys, you know, maybe even a few guys a couple days early just to go through the testing and, and whatnot, but then just kind of slowly phase them in. But, uh, but they're, they're fully planning on starting uh, June 15th and, and, you know, that's Gary Patterson's, you know, <laughs> ready to go. And I'm sure he's ready to get his guys back, but uh, all signs point toward them starting right on day one. Okay. Hey, Kellis, how about in Manhattan? What's uh, what's going to happen in K-State? Yeah, same deal. Um, Riley County is, uh, you know, been one of the least affected counties maybe in the entire country on this whole coronavirus thing. So there's no hesitation here. Um, businesses and bars, every place just about is open in the city. So they're ready to go on June 15th. Uh, coaches are already back on campus working amongst themselves. I know players, certain players have been back for a few weeks here in Manhattan working out on them amongst themselves as well. So they'll be ready to go on June 15th with some restrictions, small groups in the weight rooms and stuff like that. But uh, there's really no reason to uh, slow things down any more than that here. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen some of that small group uh, uh, restrictions at some schools. How about, how about at KU, Jesse? What, uh, what's Les Miles planning? Well, I'm right now it's just, um, you know, both Jeff Long, the athletic director, and Douglas Gerard, they were on a uh, University of Kansas Health System call earlier this week to kind of talk about it. But um, it's sort of like what we've just been describing the other two schools, which is June 15th when those guys are supposed to be back. I know Jeff Long made specific mention of Adidas giving 2,000 masks uh, to KU's players, and he said that uh, masks would be a, a vital part of what they did when they started to do workouts. I would think particularly weightlifting and things like that when you're indoors compared to outdoors. But um, it seems like everyone else, I know Oklahoma was kind of uh, the outlier here where they're going to bring kids back a little bit more conservatively with Lincoln Riley's comments and him being very public about that. But, um, you know, it's it's sort of an interesting deal for Kansas because they do work with the University of Kansas Health System with their trainers and weightlifting staff and all those sorts of things. So I'm sure there's going to be an extra eye there. And also Douglas Gerard, the chancellor for Kansas, is a, a medicine man himself. So, uh, right. you know, a doctor himself. So, yeah, I, I think uh, cautiously they're going to do this and they'll obviously be checking with experts. But I don't foresee anything different than what the other schools are doing right now other than Oklahoma, which is I think June 15th they're going to have their guys back and, and proceed forward from there. July 1st, actually, is what Lincoln Riley is saying for, for OU, which is really – Really interesting, and you're right, Jesse. He's been he, he's been more uh, uh, sounding the the cautionary tale more than than other coaches that I've seen. And I, I know that when the, kind of his first public comments about this, uh, I don't know if they were in late March or in, into April. You know, he was he was kind of adamant about let's 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 take this slowly. Let's not rush back while other coaches and even some presidents and chancellors were saying they fully expect to have. You know, students on campus in the fall, and, and 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 you know, fans in the stands, and you know, basically almost almost business as, as usual. Lincoln Riley was the one who, you know, who, who was being I don't I don't want to say voice of reason, but certainly voice of caution here. 
And, um, and, and I think they're going to practice this. I read, I read some comments by Joe Castiglione, the athletic director, talking about the, um, making it imperative, the, the, the priority, the safety of the, of the student athletes. And, and, um, and so, yeah, it's, they're going to wait another couple of weeks, it looks like, after, you know, after the rest of the Big 12. I haven't checked on the others. Drew, have you seen any other in the Big 12 besides the ones we just mentioned? Yeah, well, I know Oklahoma's July 1st, but I'm pretty sure all the Texas schools are uh, planning on going June 15th like TCU, and, and I'm pretty sure Texas is going to be June 15th and, and whatnot. And, you know, I think it's kind of twofold. You know, I, you know, some some would argue that, hey, getting these guys back on campus it could be a better environment, arguably a safer environment than their home than their homes or, or whatnot. So, uh, I see all, all sides to it, but, uh, you know, certainly I think July 1st is, is kind of the drop dead date if, if teams want to be ready by week one. Yeah. I was going to say, how much time does that, that leave really? If, if football, college football, the traditional opening you know, weekend is Labor Day weekend for everybody. So you're talking about basically, you know, all of, you know, half of June, July, and then, and then August. Um, and, I guess this will happen even with um, with campuses closed for other students. That I, I guess I don't know that. Or will will athletes be on campus in you know at at KU, K State, TCU, and other places with the campuses closed for all other students? Is that is that known? I believe that's the case at Kansas State. They'll be here, but they'll be the only students around. Yeah, at TCU, they're they're gonna obviously, and I think it's the Big Twelve policy. Football players are back on campus; no one else is uh, come June fifteenth, and then I believe July first, other fall sports, and then July fifteenth, the rest, you know, winter and spring sports can get here. But uh, yeah, I, as far as TCU is concerned, I think August twenty fourth is the date they plan on starting the fall semester with in person classes. So. You know, I would assume students arrive, you know, a, a few days before that date. You know, I think I heard Bob Bowlesby say this earlier in the week. I thought it was really interesting. I'll, I'll quote him here and see if I get most of this right. He said, um, you know, the, this sort of the, the, the conditions, the circumstances that we're in now, it's always been managed by, you know, governors, public health officials and mayors. Soon it will be in the hands of university presidents, chancellors and athletic directors. Um, I think some some might suggest that that's a frightening proposition uh, because we know what's at stake for college football, right? The importance of having college football financially for for these universities. I, I, I don't believe this has happened in the Big 12 or any school has announced a dropping of sport, but it's, it certainly has happened in other places around the country. Um, the, the most recent one I saw, I think, was Appalachian State dropping three sports, including a men's soccer program that they've had since the early 70s. So um, so what is what, what is this going to let, – let's just say we, we get through uh, you know, pre, whatever, whatever preseason football is going to look like in June, July, and August. And, and now we're at the, the first weekend of college football. What, what might that look like? Are we going to see fans in the stands? Well, I, I can say from TCU's perspective, and, and the state of Texas is allowing 25% capacity, uh, I, I believe, come June 1st at outdoor venues. And, and just talking to the TCU AD, he's expecting fans to be there, but he's he's looking at the range of 25 to 50% capacity, somewhere in that range. And obviously that's <laughs> going to create a, a whole other layer of headaches for, for TCU and trying to allocate those tickets fairly. But, uh, but yeah, as far as TCU and the Texas schools are concerned, it, it's looking at least the first few games, 
uh, 25 to 50% is, is kind of what they're expecting. I don't think I've seen a, a, an announcement from Kansas or Kansas State about this. We, we, we do we have seen something from Iowa State with Jamie Pollard saying what, what was what was his uh, yeah uh, 50 lim- as well. yeah ha- half the stadium at, at Jack Trice Stadium and and those will only go to see did, did I see that right only only to season ticket holders yeah or, that's or correct get, for, get first dibs at it yeah and actually TCU Blair has thirty thousand season ticket holders and forty six thousand seats so. Uh, if it's 50% capacity, there's going to be some season ticket holders who are left out. So I, I think a lot of colleges are going to be facing that kind of problem in, in how to, you know, what fans can get in or, you know, hey, you can come to this game but not that game or, or how they're going to handle it. Yeah, and Blair, Jeff Long did actually talk about this. KU has started modeling this sort of thing, and he said fifteen to 16,000 Memorial Stadium is the last model that they had. So that would be about one-third capacity, which is – uh, you know, new Memorial Stadium with the field goal club taken out is 47,000. I think something also you have to look into, uh, Drew, when it comes to that. I, I understand the headaches it creates, but I think there will be a certain segment of the population out there that's not going to feel comfortable going out um, and, and going to these games. And I know that will especially be the case if KU has to face limited capacity for Allen Fieldhouse. I've already heard from people like that where older people or people with you know, health conditions. I mean, are you going to feel comfortable walking through concourses, going up to your seat and being potentially very close and in a, a very close area indoors with other people around when you know that could impact your safety. So um, potentially this problem could solve itself in a bad way, which is the fact that maybe, I I mean, I don't want to guesstimate a a number, but potentially some percentage of these people that have season tickets will not want season tickets, at least until there's a little bit more uh, safety out there or known safety out there. It, it's going to be a headache no matter how they do it because uh, I do think there will be more um, demand than supply. Whatever the final number ends up being, I think Iowa State's projection of half capacity is a little bit high. I'm not sure how you can spread out uh, properly 30,000 people in a stadium like that. I think it will be more like 25% when everything is said and done. Uh, but that, that to me is the biggest question about the football season coming up is what are the stands going to be like? I think they'll find some way to play the games, but I, I don't know that anybody for sure knows the answer yet of what, what it'll be like uh, in terms of fans actually watching the games like we've seen in most years. Yeah, we heard from Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith, was it last week or maybe 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 it was two weeks ago, but he – you know, in, in the horseshoe that seats over a hundred thousand, he was talking twenty to twenty-two thousand, uh, and, and that makes mathematical sense, right? One, you know, every five, you know, you place a fan every five seats away, and you, that way you can keep the, you know, the the, the type of social distancing that uh, that the health officials are suggesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you, you're right. I mean, thirty thousand at Iowa State, Jack Trice holds about sixty, right? Sixty-one thousand, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure, not sure how you can how, how that'll work. So. But uh, okay, let's uh, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, I want to talk about some other actions that schools have taken. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners: unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. 
your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with Jesse Newell, Callis Robinette, and Drew Davidson. And Jesse, the headline splashed across the, the top of the Kansas City store, and I, I assume the Wichita Eagle today, is KU Athletics enacts pay cuts, furloughs through 2020. Not unusual. And we actually heard that Kansas – we, we knew that Kansas had done something like this with, um, with Bill Self, Les Miles, and Jeff Long early, back in April – What's the significance uh, of, of these cuts, and what, uh, how much savings is Kansas looking at by, by cutting salary? Yeah, I think in all, uh, they were estimating about $1.15 million when you count in the Jeff Long, Les Miles, and Bill Self cuts. I think this new wave saves them about 650000 but um, I think you can look at this a couple different ways, and Kellis can speak to this. K-State announced pay cuts about a month ago or two months ago. Um, so this isn't unexpected. This is sort of what athletic departments are going through as they're looking at their finances and realizing that um, this pandemic is going to affect those sorts of things. So this is not huge, crazy news. This isn't something that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. But the way KU did it, um, <laughs> I, I, you can look at it some different ways. I mean, I, I guess for KU's sake, it's actually kind of clever, if you will, because if you look at uh, the four-tiered plan that they have and these employees that potentially could take furloughs in the lower and middle tiers, um, those furloughed employees, from my understanding and looking at the uh, from, from what's out there with the, the new stimulus package, those have to be taken, those furloughs, by the end of July. And as we know, this new stimulus package, those funds, if you get unemployment, you get $600 more per week from the government if that takes place before the end of July. So in essence, it's sort of interesting here because for Kansas, basically by telling those workers to not come and not work those couple weeks, they will go home and most likely get paychecks that are very similar to what they made with KU Athletics, yet it's going to be the government paying for those paychecks in that matter of time instead of Kansas. So uh, it's sort of an interesting maneuver. I, I can see where Kansas, what Kansas is doing. And obviously, when you're trying to take care of employees while also saving money, it seems like a, a pretty smart thing to do to, to get that paid for for them and take care of them while also saving a few bucks on this side of it. But uh, again, not too unexpected. Seems like kind of a, an interesting thing for Kansas to do to kind of take advantage of the, the landscape that's out there right now when it comes to government and the stimulus package. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a problem with with this. I mean, I, I think it's smart on on, on Kansas's part. Um, so, Kellis, what what uh, what was been done at uh, what's been done at Kansas State? Uh, something similar. Uh, it's been a while since they announced it, so I don't remember all the details exactly. But I don't think there were furloughs. Basically, if you made a um, uh, hundred fifty thousand dollars or more, you took a certain amount of pay cut. If you made less than hundred thousand, you took a different pay cut. It all came out to be about ten uh, percent, five to ten percent uh, salary cut on everything. I believe uh, uh, the head coaches, Chris Kleiman, Bruce Weber, and Gene Taylor, I think, took thirteen percent pay cuts. So uh, when you add it all up, I believe the it saved the athletic department something like two point five million dollars. So it's in line with what Iowa State and other people have uh, been doing. And unfortunately, it's just something that we're seeing a lot of these days. 
Hey, hey let's yeah. talk. Let, let's talk about that, Kellis. Okay, so Kansas comes out with a statement that Les Miles, Bill Self, and Jeff Long are taking voluntary ten percent pay cuts. And two days later, K State comes out with a release <laughs> that says that their coaches are taking thirteen percent pay cuts. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go all tinfoil hat here, but uh, you tell me, does Kansas State taking thirteen percent pay cuts have anything to do with KU's people two days earlier taking ten percent pay cuts? Uh, I, I don't think that was a coincidence. No. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Well, that kind of that kind of stuff doesn't happen in Texas, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> But but it was uh, Drew. I, I looked. It was it was like somewhere in April, mid April, I think, that uh, Gary Patterson and, and Jamie Dixon and and uh, others, uh, the baseball coach too, I think, yeah. uh, the higher profile coaches at TCU all took pay cuts. Yeah, I mean all all of them and, and a, a couple of football assistants as well. And I also think you know TCU's kind of looking at scheduling more regional games. For instance, you know the men's basketball program uh, is doing. It, "Quote unquote home and home with Texas A&M. They're playing at two uh, neutral site games. You know, Dickey's Arena and uh, the Toyota Center in Houston, where the Rockets play. You know, kind of like the Sprint Center, so to speak. So I think you know you'll see TCU and some colleges go more that route as well. You know, just scheduling uh, more road trips, so to speak, or, or whatnot, where they're not you know flying across the country for non-conference games." Uh, and Jamie Dixon has said, you know, he'd like to kind of get some, you know, games against some of the Southwest Conference. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, all the big coaches, all you know, the TCU's baseball coach makes seven figures, uh, and of course Gary Patterson's the highest paid, and, and Jamie Dixon's right up there uh, among the top paid in the Big Twelve. So uh, all of them took voluntary pay cuts. The athletic director and, like I said, a few assistants, and, and I know just in general they're looking at uh, trying to lower costs where they can such as travel. That, that, that scheduling is an interesting concept. It's too late to do anything about it for this, for football season this year, but I have, and there has been chatter and some conversation about um, uh, just about football games. You know, do we, do we feel somewhat confident that all 12 regular season games are going to get played this year? I think they will. I mean, uh, you, you know, I think there's so much money at stake and the TV contracts. And, you know, I, I think most teams or schools are, are pretty committed to trying to play them. Uh, but with that being said, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if some teams maybe try and back out of some of the guarantee games, uh, so to speak, against the lower end competition uh, going forward, just whether, you know, they have the budget to pay <laughs> the, the high end or those big numbers for the smaller schools. Uh, in, in, you know, obviously not this season, but, you know, maybe, you know, in, in future years. I, I know that, that Bob Bowlesby suggested this, that, you know, or at least put it out there, schools are going to have to be flexible uh, with this. I mean, what happens if, you know, if, if testing turns up a couple of, you know, positives uh, the, the week of a game? And uh, will that will, will that team – you know, they'll quarantine those players, but they'll have to quarantine others, I suspect. And would, would the game, the, the game scheduled for that weekend be in, in jeopardy? Um, and would it be rescheduled? And, and how about the income from that game? And uh, I, I just, you know, we, we started by talking about what things that we know. I think one of the great unknowns is once the, once we get the, let's assume the season is going to start on time and it does, but you start getting some positive tests and these, you know, football, we know what the environment's like in the, in the locker room, on the field, in practice. And look, you can limit numbers of players in practice drills and everything, but you're not going to limit 
you know, where they, you know, where they are on the field and standing next to each other on the sideline for the most part. Uh, um, is that, um, you know, is, is that a valid concern? I, I think it's a valid concern. Definitely. Um, you know, you asked, are, are all 12 games going to get played? I think for the most part, the answer is probably yes, but I do think there will be segments of the country that are still, uh, hit hard from this harder than others. And, you know, like TCU plays Cal this year and Cal is a certain area where there's a little bit more question about whether a football game can be played there. So I think there'll be certain, certain games that do uh, unfortunately get canceled or moved around. And yeah, that's going to be, have, that's going to be something that everyone's going to have to monitor and be flexible with somehow. And I don't know, maybe we'll see some things where if certain teams can't play games, they'll, uh, reschedule during bye weeks or find other other teams to fill those slots i i don't know this whole season kind of feels like the wild wild west i, I don't really know exactly what's going to happen no I, I agree with you there and you know football had the luxury of being able to both both the nfl and college major college football had the luxury of being able to wait for 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 the uh, pandemic to play out where other sports you know nba nhl major league baseball mls did not, and of course, college basketball loses the NCAA tournament. Golf, you know, heck, everything, right? Golf, tennis, um, all sorts of big events got got pushed away. But football has been able to plan for this. But again, there's just there's just too much we don't know, with, especially without a vac- you know, without the vaccine, and uh, there's so much uncertainty about uh, about the health of the players and and what um, you know. And I, without sounding flip about it, a, a college football locker room in terms of players being near each other isn't unlike the closeness that we saw at the Lake of the Ozarks this past weekend. I mean, that's how, you know, they're, they're, they're wearing clothes for the most part, uh, uh, but they're, you know, they're close to each other and it, it doesn't take much to, for the infection to spread. And I don't, I don't know. I, I just, the, the more I think about it, the I, I'm, I, I guess I feel like Bob Bowlesby about this, that they, they better be, you know, teams better be ready to to adjust and be flexible, and um, and and, and maybe, you know think about the possibility of missing games, which again, which will uh, could n- not not just ticket revenue, but if a game isn't played, that affects the, the league's television contract to to some extent, I would suspect. And um, uh, I don't know. The, the other thing, and Kellis, you brought it up. I think it's a really good point that it, it is um, uh, this is it's affecting different parts of the country differently, even within a conference. You know, I think of the ACC, they have, you know, they've got uh, programs in, in cities, right, in Pittsburgh and Boston and Miami and, and, uh, and Louisville. And they and they also have, you know, programs in smaller, rural, you know, areas, Blacksburg, Clemson, and those even within the conference, those are just different different types of, of situations. So um, uh, maybe, I, I don't know, we'll, we'll – we'll, uh, and the other thing I think about it from a Big 12 perspective is the Texas-Oklahoma game at the, at the Texas State Fair. Uh, you know, you've got 90,000 people in the Cotton Bowl and you have a couple hundred thousand people that don't that aren't in the Cotton Bowl but are around the area at the, at the State Fair. If you've ever been to that game, it's, it is a mass of humanity right there. And it's such a big attraction for this conference that, um, uh, you know, I, I just – I don't see how I, I just don't see that happening, and and uh, um, and, and I, I guess what I'm saying is they're just they're going to have to adjust. Scott, yeah, yeah. To adjust. 
I mean, there's no question. And, and you know, you just talk about a ju- or the Red River game. You know, it's it's a spectacle. And just imagine the environment, even if they do have 25% or whatever, you know, or, or like Jesse said, at Allen Fieldhouse, if they have limited capacity, the, the environments aren't going to be the same. And, you know, in, outside of the players, Blair, I, I think another concern has to be the coaches. You know, I won't name names, but some of the older coaches – that's kind of the more at-risk demographic from, you know, the reports and studies. Uh, and, and, you know, our team's going to be prepared if, hey, this coach, well, whether it's a head coach or offensive coordinator or whatnot, can't, you know, coach or, or has to go quarantine for 10 days right during a game. Uh, you know, that that's just as big of a factor if uh, C.M. Ellinger or Puka Williams or, or one of, you know, the quote-unquote stars of the league have to uh, may possibly miss a game. Yeah, Blair, I was I was going to quote a great philosopher of our time. His name is Mike Tyson. Uh, and he said, <laughs> everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And uh, at, first off, Drew, Sam Mellinger is not a very good football player. So I don't think he's going to up on the podcast. I do want to mention that before we even get to go any further. But uh, no, I, I think Drew's point is valid. And honestly, Drew, I, I mean, I hate to sound morbid with this, but I think what you just mentioned is a best case scenario okay, a coach gets it, he has to go quarantine for 10 days. Uh, a lot of people that are older, like these coaches that get it, don't make it 10 days. You know what I mean? And so that's sort of what I think what you're referring to, Blair, is the unknown and what we don't know about this. I mean, even the logistics of this, I mean, KU was supposed to play New Hampshire on September 5th. Guys, nobody's flying in airplanes right now. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you are a New Hampshire football player. Is are, are, are those 65 guys, 70 guys, 75 guys all signing up to jump on a Southwest Airlines flight or two flights to get to Kansas to play this game. Is it that important anymore? And so um, that's what we don't know. And honestly, like if someone does get this, and obviously it seems like from the studies out there that these athletes are less at risk than the higher uh, aged people out there. But if a coach gets it and then, you know, God forbid passes away, I mean, that's that's when you get the Mike Tyson punched in the mouth. I mean, is college football just going to go on and put the blinders on and say, oh, well, that, that's too bad. That coach died. Just going to keep going. Just going to keep heading on. And uh, sort of like the Rudy Gobert thing that we saw earlier with the NBA, how everything shut down so quickly, kind of out of respect for him. Um, if that happens one time, two times, three times, I mean, how much longer can college football and the powers that be continue this thing going on and not feel some sort of regret, remorse, or feeling like this is not the proper thing to do? So I think that, again, what we don't know about this is kind of, for me, what what what, what the question marks are with this. And again, hopefully, um, hopefully this thing goes away. Hopefully this thing continues to decrease. Hopefully this isn't something that anybody has to deal with. But I think that's the reality of the situation, that this is potentially something that college football and the commissioners and everyone and teams and coaches might have to deal with. And, and that's, that's sort of the, um, that's part of this equation that we just don't know yet. All right. Hey, great conversation, everybody. Jesse, Kellis, Drew, I really appreciate you guys stopping by and we will do this again soon. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Sportsbeat KC regulars Kellis Robinette and Jesse Newell and to newcomer Drew Davison from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. We hope to have Drew on more often. Links to stories about KUK State, TCU, and the Big 12 can be found in the show notes. Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands, still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage, and that includes the Sports Extra in the E-Edition. Well, here's an even better offer. 
buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, analysis, the whole bit. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus extra news, sports, and business coverage. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. Whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best news and sports coverage in Kansas City, and you're helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again on Friday.